The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces Way of Life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events, and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Well, hello and welcome world back to Solid 7 Podcast, a better than average podcast. If I do say so myself, I am, of course, your gracious host, Kale. And back with me this week, our very own resident author and sometimes co-host, Miss Alex Rodriguez. Welcome back. Well, thank you very much. You know, I forgot that I co-hosted the last episode that I was on. Was that the last time you were on? I think it was, yeah. Was that, what, October? November? I don't I don't remember. I, I didn't look because I'm, uh, you know, I'm mediocre. Uh, I, well, just slightly <laughs> above average really is the point. Podcast <laughs> host. <laughs> so normally like a good podcast host would be like, you know, you may have heard Alex or if you'd like to hear more from Alex, you can look at episodes, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't do that. Why? Because if they want to, they can just scroll, they can just scroll through the episode list. They so, could. Yeah. And that's what I also could have done, but I didn't. That's why and, sometimes uh, I'm lazy with the show notes, too, because I'm like, well, I could link to all these things from the episode, or people could just do what I do, and if something that they were listening to or saw interested them, like, you just you just look, you just look it up, and then you're like, oh, you there really, it is. You, yeah, if you really wanted to know, if there's an easy way to find out. Yes. Like, I could try to catch everything in my show notes, link-wise, or... People could just use, you know, search engines. Just jump on the Google. But see, I think this what is what uh, screws me on some things here. Well, welcome back to the podcast. It's nice to have you back on the podcast. It's, it's overdue. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We are, of course, still, as always, fueled by Jocko Go here. Going to crack it open. Going with the good old whoop salt watermelon here. Cheers. But I think this is what gets me. I, I am prone to making false promises on the podcast to the guests with regards to social media. And it's always your presence that brings that out in me uh, because I'm like knowing your, your prowess and your professional uh, expertise in uh, marketing and social media. I always feel that extra pressure when you're on to be better, be better. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to post more content. And then it, come it comes time to like, hit record for like a, a, a quick reel or something. I'm like, nobody cares. Like nobody, nobody cares. And so it's funny <laughs> because it's like, I'll sit and like, you know, I'll doom scroll sometimes like everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And it's the same crap where I'm like, Oh, if I hit record and do it, that's not, that's not interesting. So I never know. Like I never like the background. I never, I'm like, do I want to be the record sitting in the car person I, I I don't know. I don't know. You're overthinking it. That's what it is. You just you just got to do it. You're overthinking it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to do it. And here's here's why. <laughs> I'm going to do some of it. 
But here's here's what I decided. Uh, you know, we had uh, John Reyes back on last week, and we talked um, some some Twitter. That we were talking some content creation stuff, anyways, just because of uh, John's new uh, project, John Reyes MMA, um, and you know, Governor DeSantis choosing to make his announcement for his presidential campaign on Twitter. Uh, in Twitter spaces with Elon and, you know, there were some technical issues there. So that became the story instead of the announcement, blah, blah, blah. We covered all that stuff last week. Um, but, uh, but I, I got into it with John. I'm like, dude, the stuff that Elon's doing, some of this was, on, was on the podcast. Some of this was, was our conversation off air. I'm like, man, I, I'm like, I get that this sounds like a boomer statement right now. Like telling you like, bro, you gotta be on Twitter. But I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you like, you never, ever, ever bet against Elon. I, I just, I know there are people who still do. I, I just, I think they either like being wrong or they like being separated from their money. I don't know what their issue is, but you just don't <laughs> bet against Elon. And I'm like, I've been on Twitter a long time. I actually double checked it today because I saw that somebody had been on for a long time. And I'm like, I think I've been on longer. I joined in 2008. Wow. Um, and I, I actually remember, remember where I was working at the time. I actually, without asking for any permission, I created several accounts for the employer because I'm like, I think this is going to be big. And I remember like bringing it up in front of everybody in staff meeting. Um, and, you know, like if you're familiar with um, the movie A Christmas Story, which I was raised on, I can quote the whole movie word for word. But there's this like dream sequence in there where mm -hmm. Ralphie like turns in his theme paper to his teacher and it's about him wanting the Red Rider BB gun. And in his yeah. in his dream, they're like foisting him up on shoulders and cheering and she's like writing a plus 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 on the board right. um and it you know it's, it's just a daydream and, but this is the way i expected this to go in this staff meeting of like man you, kale you're ahead of the curve how did you even recognize this this is so awesome this is going to be such a great tool um and i'm like this is just going to allow us to so rapidly and easily and effectively communicate to our people i really think this is going to be a great thing and that would have been around the same time frame. I mean, that was probably um, 2008-ish, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which is super early. But Twitter was founded in 2006. I can't remember when it really, really, really caught traction. Um, but everybody was like, yeah, we don't think anybody's going to. And, like, MySpace is still around. I think I don't know yep. what Facebook is Facebook doing at the is time. Facebook is in its early days. Um, we're still, there, yeah. there, there's no Insta. There hasn't been any Vine. I don't even know that mm -hmm. YouTube's, like, really popping off yet. Um at that time, there were they, we were getting like the, I remember because that was like around the time, uh, two thousand eight is when I graduated high school. Fun fact, and I hate then you went so into much. college. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I got my first Facebook. Yeah, I got my Facebook account in two thousand seven because it was like my junior year. And I had no idea what to do with it. Yeah, I was like, what this is dumb. Um, but yeah, that we were getting like some viral videos, but I want to say the big viral videos didn't didn't take off until. Uh, several years after that 2010 2011 because that was like college dorm days and that's what i would do i would go on youtube and just look at viral videos but anyway but all, i digress all that to say i've been around twitter for a long time i i've watched twitter i've watched them try different things do different things launch different things go through different iterations um twitter's as exciting if not more so now than it's been since those early days like the the changes that Elon's making, the things he's pushing for, what they're doing to support creators and try and create revenue streams for creators. Like obviously he's he's slimmed things down and he's looking to turn a profit um at Twitter. And so there's there's that going on. 
Um, but the stuff he's doing for creators and around video uh, and just seeing how responsive he is to the community and all this stuff, I'm just like, man, Twitter's going to pop off. And it's always talked to me. That medium, for whatever reason, just resonates more with me. And so I'm like, this week, um, well, last week as you're listening, listeners, but um, I'm like, screw it. Like, if I'm going to make a social media push, like, Instead of fighting, like, I, I think you have to be on Instagram still right now for, you know, promotion, for marketing kind of what I'm doing, right? right. I don't know that anything right. else makes much more sense other than TikTok, which we all know I'm not going to do. Um, so I'm, it's not like I'm leaving Instagram, but I'm just like, it's so much more natural for me to crank out content for Twitter as a format, rather it's quippy little original thoughts of my own. Or just that quick retweet with some commentary or that quick mm-hmm. comment on another post. And so seriously, yesterday uh, morning, um, I'm like, uh, I had just watched, you know, Elon sat down with Babylon B again. And, yep. and part of why this was a big deal is the, the joke is kind of that like the Babylon B is why Elon bought Twitter. <laughs> I mean, that's what he said. He even was like, you guys yeah. made me buy it. <laughs> and so it was just funny, like, to see this turnaround from, like, them being just hard banned. They were gone from Twitter unless they w- would delete a tweet where they, quote, unquote, misgendered, I want to say, Dylan Mulvaney, who's, of course, been in the news mm-hmm. recently. And we've talked about um, that here. And they refused because they're like, it's comedy. It's satire. It's you know, they're, it's, it's anti-free speech. It's, you know, they just, they're just, we're not, we're not deleting it. Um, and so Elon's kind of formed a relationship with those guys. He'd had to sit down with them before, I think in their studios, which is why like, I have hope now, like I'm not Babylon B size, but I'm like, at one point they were solid seven size. I'm like, if the B, um, cause I've got a lot of respect for those guys. I've got a lot of respect for what they do. I'm like, I think like, I don't think me writing for Babylon B or contributing to Babylon B would be like outside the realm of possibility. I'm not fishing for that. Yeah. I'm just saying with all the humility <laughs> that I can muster that I think I can hang with them. And so they just give me hope that someday Elon will be sitting on the other side of the microphone. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Um, Dream big, man. And so, I, yeah. Uh, you know, I watched that. They started off jokingly by giving Elon a $44 billion IOU because of yep, them being the, the cause uh, of buying Twitter, but it's like they went from total Twitter jail to sitting in Twitter headquarters one-on-one, uh, you know, with the, the sole owner CEO um, and getting, you know, a long form interview with Elon Musk, particularly if you're not Tim Dodd from the everyday astronaut, it's a tough get these days. Um, I mean, this, this is the second one though that he's yes. done. Yeah. He did one last year as well. Um, and I saw that it was coming, you know, I saw that I went on YouTube and I was looking up cause I, I knew that he was going to sit down with the B and I, uh-huh. I started watching the old one by accident and I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. And then, um, yeah, I just, the first, it's so funny though, because the first, I don't know, I mean, I'm going through, I literally sped up the videos and like, they're talking, this is such an awkward conversation, which like, is something new that you can do together. Speaking of new features, the speeding up video yep. is a new feature. Mm-hmm, continue. Mm-hmm. So I sped it up because they were taking forever to 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 make their point. And me being a millennial who's used to quick information on Instagram, I was like, I, I can't just spit it out. But the conversation was, it was awkward, but it eventually got somewhere. And it yeah. was great. And then I realized I'm watching the wrong interview. 
and then I had to go back and watch the new one. But well, Elon's um, like socially awkward. I feel like is too strong a word, but it's like he's got his whole spectrum thing going on, whether it's Asperger's or or whatever. Obviously, but. Yeah. And this kind of goes to to my point about what I found so compelling about this interview is like he's for for all of the times he gets in trouble for just quickly posting something he thinks is funny without thinking about it, whether it's yeah. something that like drives the price of Dogecoin through the roof because Elon was making a joke. Um, uh, you know, for for all of that, like when you're talking to him seriously, um he's very, very calculated and measured. Like he's not, you can tell he's not the person who's sitting there thinking about what he wants to say next while you're talking or asking the question. Cause you finish the question. Jordan Peterson does this too. And then he sits there and he processes before he answers. Right. And so yep. it's not canned. It's not talking points. Um, he's open-minded like, um, you can watch in one of those Tim Dodd interviews while they're walking around Starbase. Tim's asking about, uh, Elon's talking about using hot gas thrusters on the Starship booster. I know this is a little overly nerdy, but so Tim just says, are you going to do the same thing on, on Starship? Um, like the, the top, the second stage. It's weird. The whole thing is called Starship. The the second stage, the uh, human rated vehicle, or eventually is, is Starship too. Are you going to use hot gas thrusters on there too, or will you continue to use cold gas thrusters? And you just see Elon stop and process the question. He's like, "No, now that you ask, we probably should be doing that." And they one hundred percent pivoted to that, right? And so, yeah. like, you just hear him talk, and he's so thoroughly genuine, and it's so like. He, he's like straight up, like I, I, I paid too much for Twitter. I overpaid, um, but understanding that not that he doesn't intend to make any money on it and he's got big plans for transforming it into much more than what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but like he, he, I believe he really does in all like Tesla and SpaceX and funny, a Elon fanboying aside, like he genuinely believes in the importance of freedom of speech. And that's why I finished yeah. watching that. And I'm like, I, I've always been a Twitter fan. Obviously, you know, Elon's not infallible. Um, but you know, I, I, obviously if you listen to the podcast, you know, we're fans, but it just put me over the top where I'm like, no, I'll, I'll throw my lot in with this. I know that like my, my type of, of humor to wit to the extent that I have it, uh, meshes well, with Twitter and I'm just, I'm going to take some podcast money. Thank you. Patreon supporters. Thank you. People purchasing from affiliates. Um, and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to sign the podcast up for Twitter blue. Um, and that's where I'm really going to start hammering content. And, um, I've already, now it was tiny. So, you know, <laughs> numbers are tricky like that, but already doubled followers. Um, nice. and you know, it's, it's interesting because it's so much easier to gain traction there from yeah. it, it's, you know, you don't have to game and do so much weird stuff for the algorithms for something to kind of get pushed out there and catch on. Now it's super hit and miss, right? Like I'll see, I'll see a post go way beyond what my follower reach is. Um, and I'll, I'll see a post that it's like, Oh, it's, you know, even, not all the followers saw it, you know, it's just like, whatever. 
But I think that's it's a lot easier to gain traction there. And I do think there's potential. Like I saw somebody just they're posting. Um, I don't even think it was a big name. Uh, it, just somebody who recognized how great the potential is for Twitter to make some minor tweaks and like overnight be the biggest podcasting platform on the planet. Uh, yeah. And then you see Elon just pop on this random comment and he goes, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. That's so great. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, his engagement. I can't, I don't know the way that he engages. I just picture like him on his phone constantly, like just on Twitter all the time. But then you don't see that like whenever I, he's on the camera I, or whatever, yes. I'm like, he's not on his phone. Who's tweeting for him? I don't get and it. Or how many Elons are there? He's running Tesla. He's running the boring company. He's running SpaceX. He's running Nor Neuralink. He's running yeah. Netflix. He has, I think 10 children. He has 10 children. Yes. Um, <laughs> So he's he's in China doing more diplomacy than our State Department is with China, um, you know, the past few days. I'm just like, how? How, dude? I, I, like, yeah. I'm not certain that one of the things his companies have built is just low-key time travel. Like, I think he's just a nerdy. Well, you can't. That's repetitive. I was going to say a nerdy Hermione. Um <laughs> But uh, I think he's got a time turner. I think there's something going on there. Maybe, maybe it's like the movie. Was it the Prestige where there were twins, but nobody could prove it? Yep. Like maybe he's a twin. Yep. They were never um, in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. It just seems like he's got more hours in the day than yeah. the rest of us. And then you see him on interviews, and he's completely present. Like he's not. Yeah. You know. And I that was one of my thoughts actually watching the interview. I'm like, this man has how many companies that he's currently running while just sitting down, shooting the breeze, like talking with these guys. And it was such a, like, the conversation was very, just seemed like, oh yeah, we're just friends getting together and there's no agenda here. We're just <laughs> going to have chat for well, a minute. And you know, it's not the solid seven podcast. Isn't sitting here, um, you know, condoning popping bottles. So, you know, Christian <laughs> listeners don't at me, but like the first thing he does, he sits down and he like opens one beer bottle with another bottle. And then he's five minutes in and he's making a Monty Python reference. And the yep. whole, everybody's just like, dude, you're just us. Like you're a genius, <laughs> but you're just like, he's just a cool guy. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause yeah. you know, his self-deprecating humor on SNL was like, you know, I'm a billionaire with Asperger's. Did you think I was just going to be like a chill, normal guy? But he really, <laughs> you, when, when you break it down, it really kind of is. And he'll sit and talk about video games. Mm -hmm. Like they're talking with him in that interview. Like, what have you played lately? Or have you played this? He's like, oh, I just finished this. I'm looking for something. When did, I've got one normal job, a podcast that I would love to be a normal job, a wife and two kids. I ain't got time for video one. games. I when, when are you playing video <laughs> games, bro? Yep. Yep. I don't, I don't get it. But so, um, we're subscribed. Uh, it's, it's, uh, at solid, the number seven podcast on Twitter. Um, if you're not on Twitter, get there. Listen, if all you've heard about Twitter since the buyout is it's a hot mess and it's nothing but Nazis and porn and hate speech. I haven't seen any of that. I haven't seen any of that. Um, yeah. what I have seen is, uh, increased quality of content, um, decreased bots, um, and just an ever improving service. And I really think it's crazy because it's been around so long, but it just feels like it's the start again for Twitter. So if you're not there, be there. If you're are if you are there and you're not following us, follow us. That's where a lot of uh, our interaction 
it's going to go. Um, you know, I we've you're actually guinea pigging for me today. You're the first time we're we're using a, a paid Zoom account to record. Um, after yeah, we are. ditching Riverside, and one of the things uh, I've been struggling with is like, how do I continue to provide some extra value? to Patreon supporters, right? Who enable things like Twitter blue, like paying for, for zoom. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think Twitter spaces is going to be, uh, probably one of the ways I do that. If I can, once I get the, um, uh, the account to 500 followers or more, then I can add subscriptions to it. And so I might just, I I don't know. I don't know if I want to do away with Patreon altogether. Uh, mm-hmm. but maybe shifting some of that paywalled stuff over there. If I can gift subscriptions, if I include, include that with Patreon, I'll have to see what that looks like. Uh, but so looking to do some of that over there, do a little, a little bit more, uh, one-on-one interaction. So we'll see though. Twitter still, despite all these changes, despite, uh, everything I've just said about, uh, you know, I feeling like Elon's genuine, um, about his belief in free speech. Um, still not without its challenges. And, uh, as our old co-host Josh here would say, controversies. On controversies. Yes. Yes. No, this, I feel like this, this last 24 hours, I am not even a big Twitter person, to be honest. Kale, you are single-handedly going to get me back on Twitter. Um, I've, I've been off for literally years. I found Um, you and you have an account and I already tagged you in a post about recording with you today. So we're bringing you back. Yeah. And. And I will say that my first retweet in years was this one. Is, are they are they still called retweets? I don't they, even know. I didn't quote it. I retweeted, yeah. and there's a difference apparently. Yes. Um, but no, I mean TMI. But like, I had an ex who used Twitter faithfully, and he was the reason I got off because I was like, uh, instead of unfollowing, like you know, a smart person, I just ditched it altogether. And I was very Instagram loyal for a very long time. And then I don't know. You just talk about it so much. I'm like, all right, all right, fine. I'll just I'll get on it. I did change my handle, um, so there's that. But yeah, I'm I'll one put of it, your we'll many put it in the followers. Show, for the listeners, we'll put it in the show notes. If you would like to follow Alex on Twitter, I will. I will put it in the show notes. I updated my photo and my headlight, whatever the banner. Like I'm, I'm ready. I'm in, in this with you, man. All right. So it's happening. Um, we'll see how long that lasts, but you know, I'm telling you, it is what it is. It's, uh, but yeah, it's been a, all of that to say, it's been a roller coaster on Twitter for the past like 24 hours. And I know crap. listeners are getting this a little bit late, but what in the world? Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll I be feel a, like I need a break. Yeah. As you're listening, we'll be a few days beyond it. But right now, uh, as we record, we're sitting right down in the smack of this. And so um, obviously, you know, we talked about some of this last week with John. Um, there's just been a lot going on right now, culturally um, surrounding, I don't even know what all the letters are supposed to be anymore. Um, so (laughs) LGBTQ, whatever else, um, issues, particularly with, um, with businesses, with what's going, gone on with Bud Light and then Target. And, uh, you know, there's, there's been several others now, um, kind of getting added to the list. Even Chick-fil-A is a little, a little sucked into things here lately. Um, so we'll, we'll that talk about that. was a shocker for me. So, yeah. you know, all this kind of leading into Pride Month anyways, which always gets a little contentious on social media and everybody's getting their digs in on both sides. Mm-hmm. And 
So uh, Daily Wire, which is home to all kinds of conservative commentators, um, you know, Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring are the co-CEOs. Um, Candace Owens is over there. Um, uh, but Matt, Matt Walsh, who, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, a, a lot of people are familiar with, if not from all his other, you know, work in, in media and commentating for his documentary, What is a Woman? That, that really kind of had a moment over the last year, really blew up. Um, yep. And, um, you know, uh, a really controversial uh, production, um, you know, however justified or not that was. But, I mean, like, uh, critics wouldn't review it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, very, like, services wouldn't wouldn't carry it. You kind of had to, to go see it on the Daily Wire. Now, at this point, it's become so ubiquitous, ubiquitous that if you're on social media anywhere, it's entirely possible that you've seen most of the documentary uh, one, yep. cl- one clip at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Uh, yesterday was the one year anniversary of the release of what is a woman, um, here recently, um, daily wire, um, beat me to the decision that I came to yesterday. And it's like, uh, you know what? It seems like what Elon's doing at Twitter is real. We're going to make sure all of our shows are present there. You're going to be able to watch all our shows there, Mm -hmm. um, without being behind their paywall. Um, and so, Come to find out yesterday, um, they had been working behind the scenes with Twitter for weeks on doing a large custom event. Like you can evidently, if you've got the kind of money, you can do like a custom event page with Twitter and do custom promotions around some event. And what they wanted to do was go ahead and offer the documentary, What is a Woman, free on Twitter for 24 Mm -hmm. hours. It was going to have a custom event landing page. And then also this agreement included um, some level of promotion basically to every user on Twitter um, in like the first 10 hours of it being free or something like that. Wow. Uh, And so uh, coming down, like paperwork had been signed. They'd been working on the event page. And really the documentary is a pretty known quantity, I feel like, at this point. But at some point, uh, Twitter asked for, asked to be able to review the documentary um, as, as, as Jeremy boring as as co-CEO of daily wire tells it, um, they said they wanted to see it just so they could be prepared to answer any fallout or backlash on, on their side. Mm-hmm. And so everything's good to go. Uh, and then it comes back with them. Um, we're not doing this. Not only are we not going to promote this, not only are we not doing the event landing page, um, we're going to flag this, um, as, mm-hmm dangerous or hate speech. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to show on feeds. You're not going to be able to, people can't retweet it. They can't share it. They can't bookmark it. They can't anything. Um, and so they work with them behind the scenes to try to get this resolved. Uh, Twitter tells them, well, it's a lot of it's problematic. Uh, but the two main sticking points are two points in the documentary where a transgendered person is misgendered. Um, None of this is by the host. None of this is by Matt mm-hmm. Walsh. Um, mm-hmm. And really the the vast, it's it's very obvious Matt has a point of view, but that's not yes. what this is. This isn't, he's not preaching. This isn't a, a, like a, an argumentative podcast. This is him sitting down with people and asking questions. Right. Um, and 
So he's talking to this store owner, small town America, who had been in the news for this big disagreement with a local city council member who was, mm-hmm. who was trans. Um, and they got in a screaming match and that made the news. And um, that store owner in talk and being interviewed by Matt was quote unquote, misgendering that person. So, okay. so that's the one instance. The other one is Matt's talking to this dad from Canada whose um, ex-wife was having their child transitioned against his will. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, state was siding with the mom. The dad was trying to challenge things legally, but in referring to his daughter as her. Um, yeah. Now there's conflicting reports about yeah. this, depending on what articles you go out and read. Uh, but he was basically charged with a crime for misgendering his child. And so those are the two points that they took major issue with at at Twitter, whoever these individuals were that were the representatives that they were interacting with. Mm -hmm. And they, Mm -hmm. they said, you know, to proceed, you would need to edit these out. And of course, if you know anything about daily wire, that's not going to (laughs) happen. No. So they try to get it resolved, try to get it resolved and they can't. So, um, Yesterday, Jeremy Boring goes on Twitter and lays out a big thread. Here's what's going mm-hmm. on. Here's what was supposed to happen. And all of their, I mean, they have big names over there with large followings. Um, it's not just Matt Walsh. I mean, Ben Shapiro's obviously a big name. Jordan Peterson, massive yep. these days. Um, yep. Andrew Clavin, like I said, Candace Owen, they've got some big names there. And mm-hmm. so all their personalities start chiming in. Matt Walsh shares the clips that they're saying are problematic. Those get flagged and you can't share those clips, those bookmarks. Mm -hmm. And this is really over the same issue that it, and this is kind of the irony behind it. This is really kind of over the same issue that got Babylon B banned to begin with. Twitter jail. Twitter jail. And, you know, Daily Wire had gone back to Twitter and been like, you, you, like you guys very publicly removed misgendering like from your terms of service and whatever they're like, yes, because we just, it didn't need to be that specific. The guidelines are more broad and so can still cover that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It just seemed like there was a real breakdown intentionally or otherwise here. So in the meantime, um, you know, Elon Twitter's getting raked over the coals on Twitter. Of course, there's some people who are celebratory. No, you shouldn't. This is, hurtful and hateful and this shouldn't be shown and shared anyways. Um, but you know, a lot of it was Elon do something about this. Uh, my, my account included, it was funny. I had just posted in the morning before all this went down, praising Elon touting that we were, the podcast was going to be more present there. We were going to join Twitter blue. Um, and so, uh, didn't walk that back later in the afternoon, but I'm like, Hey, we're Elon fans, but we call balls and strikes. And, and this, this isn't it. Like, yeah, do something. Uh, mm-hmm. And so later in the day, um, which is funny because everybody expects this like immediate response out of Elon. And it's like, let's go back to the list of duties. Like he's been in China for three days running. He has almost as many companies as children. Um, he's trying Playing to make Zelda right now. Yeah. He's, he's trying <laughs> to make busy. the human race multiplanetary. He can't always <laughs> respond immediately to your angry tweets, my angry tweets. Fair, fair enough. So he responds later in the day, like, hey, this was a mistake on the part of several people at Twitter. Um, obviously, this won't happen. But it's 
like it didn't go far enough initially um in that like one of his resp- like follow on responses was that um it would be it would be seen on timelines would w- wouldn't be shared or shown mm-hmm. it wouldn't be like in any for you's if you weren't already following daily wire it wasn't going to be promoted to you it wouldn't be adjacent to any ad ads or advertising and then so even that like if let a like let an advertiser pick like if they don't want their ads run along with particular types of political content or any political content, and we can argue about whether or not this issue is political, um, you know, let the, let the advertisers choose, but it's like, you're almost doing it backwards. Like where it's like, you're letting the advertisers decide that something's going to be restricted because they don't want to buy it, make it the other way around. Like it should be the ads that are seen less, not the content. If the content's still compelling and would normally be promoted and everything else. Right. Right. Um, so then they do a Twitter space um, last night. I was in it um, before the launch of the movie. All their main, uh, uh, you know, talent was, was all their personalities were in there kind of talking about what had gone down for the day. They really didn't know. Um, like after Elon posted, they went back to their people and they're like, we, he might've posted that, but we haven't been told anything about that internally. So we can't do anything about it. Um, and so, I mean, they just didn't want to is, is what it boils down to. Um, and so they really didn't know what was going to happen. And they, they post, they finished their space and they post the video. And I actually got a retweet of it out on the solid seven podcast, but it got shut down within like 90 seconds. It was flagged and you couldn't post or share. There was actually a workaround, which was probably just an oversight in code or something where you could like long press the video and embed it, but you couldn't like just straight share or retweet. Um, the, the tweet itself. Um, and so of course there's still a bunch of, of uproar and it, this thing starts throwing up despite all this, or maybe because of all this, cause that's the talk today too, is, uh, like massive numbers. So, uh, I'm not checking it again right now. It's not at the 24 hour mark. And before we sat down, the last number I saw that it was over 50 million views so far on Twitter. Wow. Um, and so like yesterday, Elon was like, it will, this will be fixed tomorrow. And I think people think you should be able to flip a switch. And I, I think in fairness, it's probably not always that easy with things like yeah. this. And so it seemed like it kind of wasn't going to be enough, but then Elon really did go farther today. So not only were all those restrictions removed and you could see it in your timelines and you could share it. It's just, I think not ad adjacent. Um, mm-hmm. but Elon with his, I don't know, 140, 150 million yeah. followers, Yep. Retweeted it with the comment, every parent should watch this. Yep. It's his pinned tweet right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw that. And and has made some other comments just about this issue in general today. And I'll say, you know, if you're somebody where Matt Walsh isn't your cup of tea, I'll tell you, like uh several years ago when he was kind of coming on the scene, I followed Matt Walsh some and he really wasn't my cup of tea and and unfollowed him and hadn't really thought much about it. Uh, until what is him, you know, him or about it until, um, this, uh, this came out and he was kind of in the news more. Um, but if you're, if you're somebody who tends to be, uh, you know, more liberal or not conservative Democrat, however you want to phrase it, this documentary, and you haven't seen it, this documentary probably isn't what you've assumed it is. Yeah. And it's probably not. Probably I'm painting broad strokes. Um, what 
your typical media sources have told you it is either. It, it really is just a guy sitting down asking really basic questions of, yeah. of people who are legitimate credentialed experts in, in the area mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and everyday people. There's some man on the street stuff too. And you know, that stuff, you know, it can always, you can cherry pick, right? So you can, you yeah. know, admittedly there's editing there. So who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And then, like you said earlier, like if you follow any of them or, you know, if you, if the algorithm has fed you any of the the promotion for this, you've seen a good amount of it. Cause I, I feel like even though I haven't seen it completely, I've seen a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of clips where Matt Walsh is just sitting there and he's, I mean, obviously from the source and like, you, you know, that there's a, there's an agenda behind the movie, right? Like we're trying to point out the ridiculousness of this whole thing, but um, yeah, he's just sitting there and he's like, what is, what is a woman? What is that? And like the way people get so angered and flustered and it's just really, it's really fascinating. Um, But it's true. Well, you know, so, so many of the people that come down in, in this film that come down on the side of, um, you know, doing um, medical interventions in this would, would give such circular answers, but weren't um, either couldn't recognize it or, or wouldn't own up to that. Like the, the common refrain was, well, it, it, that's anyone who identifies as a woman. But he'd say, okay, but what are they identifying as? What mm-hmm. does that mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer is, well, it's subjective and it's individual. And when you, when you take that answer to its logical conclusion, then it means nothing. It means, it means nothing, nothing right. to be a woman. Yeah. Which is kind of what we're seeing play out in reality with the yeah. issue of like trans athletes in, in women's sports. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, Caitlyn Jenner winning Woman of the Year <laughs> awards um, and just uh, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, I've never been a, a big reader of, and this might shock some people, of Glamour magazine. Uh, really? I, I don't know if you have either, but like the, the, current, <laughs> the current cover of it is a, mm-hmm. a pregnant trans individual. Yes. Um, and so, you know, the cover story is... Uh, you know, whatever he's done it or something like that, mm-hmm. or he's doing it, mm-hmm. um, which really there's no big news here. This is a, a biological <laughs> female who's pregnant, which is pretty much how all of us have gotten here for all of time with the exception of Adam. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jesus was a little tricky with how he got in. Um, <laughs> and so um, I guess Adam and Eve, Eve, sorry, Eve. Um, and so, but that's, you know, I say that like, who cares on the cover, who's on the cover of these, you know, crappy, you know, magazines, but just that's tip that typically, as I understand it, the covers of glamour magazines tend to be, you know, yeah, women. Well, something I read that was interesting. Um, and I, I didn't know this and I didn't do too deep of a dive, but I didn't know Elon has a child who is trans. Yeah. Um, well, I guess they, they don't associate with Elon anymore, but, um, yeah, and I wonder if that's why it hit so hard for him. Um, I don't know. Or yeah. maybe he's just a logical thinker. It's like, hey, this is ridiculous. Every, you know, whatever the reason is. Um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. I found that out today. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's it's just a it's just a weird thing. And I I, I saw uh, Jared Monroe, who's um, Jared's in marketing. He used to be on a conservative uh, like radio online TV uh, show um, that I'm not going to name right now for my own reasons. Uh, well, it was he was on Stephen Crowder's show for a long time and left a while back ago. Um, then I, I've got my own issues with Crowder these days. But um, you know, Jared made the point of like the correct response to this. If you disagree with the uh, with the content, is to refute it. Like make your own documentary. Uh, you know, like there was, um, and and he references a specific one that was a response documentary to one about fracking. You know, back in like 2013. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like don't shut it down. Like offer the counterpoint. Show where this is wrong. But um, to me, one of the the really eye opening and important things that's presented in what is a woman is the the background to this entire concept of of gender and of gender being something different than sex um and where it's rooted which is in the work of uh kinsey and then a guy gosh what's the other guy's name uh that really drove it um but they really get into how flawed their processes were how flawed um, their, their science was, and, and not just that, but I mean, just some really sick things that went on with them and with these studies and with children. Um, and just, it's like, I, I don't think a lot of people who are, are really embroiled in this and deep into this recognize kind of where it came from and what it's rooted in and where, it, where it got its start. Um, and, uh, I, I just think, you know, if, if, if you disagree with it, fine, but it, at least watch it so you know what you're disagreeing with. Don't let somebody else tell you what it is. Like, especially, it's out there, it's free, um, and they extended that through, and it'll be over by time uh, you hear this, but they extended it through the weekend. Um, like, at least nice. know what you're disagreeing with. Don't let somebody else tell you what it is. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So, so all of this to say, Kale, you're not going to be changing Solid 7 to a rainbow logo for the month? Um, you know, we're, that's, I'm, I'm going to say, so the, same, I'm I'm gonna say the same thing I want every other, uh, company to say, um, we don't do identity, identity politics here at the solid seven podcast. So, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not shilling for anything other than this. Um, I I'm pro solid seven podcast. I'm pro people listening to the solid seven podcast. I'm pro people subscribing to the solid seven podcast. Uh, I, I'm very Leslie Nope. I'd rather tell you what I'm for than what I'm against. I'm for you becoming a Patreon supporter of the 100%. Solid Seven Podcast. I'm for uh, you uh, patronizing uh, our affiliates. Um, I'm for entertaining you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm for maybe maybe dropping a little knowledge here and there. I'm for Jocko Go. We're for all kinds of things here, but most importantly, we're we're for everyone. Yep. Uh, and. Yep. Not unlike, uh, though not putting myself on the same pedestal as these, but not unlike uh, Family Guy or uh, South Park, uh, we'll probably tick all of you off at some point about yep. something, <laughs> uh, and you'll probably enjoy some of, of what we talk the about at some point. Evil. That's that's the point. It doesn't that make it yeah. more fun. So you just got to be careful these days. 
I don't know. People are crazy. I have a, a good friend who works at a big company, which I will not name, uh, but said company went ahead and changed their logo to a rainbow logo, as many companies are uh, nowadays. Um, and the backlash they got from their clients, because they're a B2B or no. Yeah. B2B, which is you yeah. know business to business. So they work a lot with just background and, and they're in the medical field. I'll just say that. But the backlash they got from their clients was so severe that they changed it back the next day. They changed it back this morning. However, now their internal staff is having issues with the change back. And so there's an all out war happening over their Facebook. Yes. Um, and they were, they were asked not to engage, uh, you know, as, as, the staff members were asked just not to engage in the social media anymore. But like, I, I was I'm like, man, there really is no winning here. There's no, no winning. Well, there, you know? there is there. The, the win is I'm not, I'm you're, you're all playing a game and we're not playing. I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not playing your game. So I'm not involved. And that is, if you don't switch the logo, if you just go on about what you do, you might take some heat of, Oh, why haven't you? Mm-hmm. Which again, my response is because it's it's the Elvis response. Oh, because I, I'm I'm an entertainer. People don't want to hear that from me. Oh, mm-hmm. we're you know we're a pharmaceutical company that's just like we we're trying to make like effective, affordable drugs, um, and so we're focused on that. And that's just that's just what we do, and we'd love to tell you all about that. Uh, yeah. We don't think anybody really wants to hear our opinion on on these other things, one way or the other. And so, like, that's an easier response than once you wade into it, then there's no win. Once you wade into it, because the the second you throw up whatever it is that's being demanded of you, I mean, we can separate it from um, the rainbow, which you can't say the rainbow anymore. I don't know what what you're supposed to call the new color scheme because they've added triangles and circles. And, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not mocking it. I don't know. Um, I'm not above (laughs) mocking it. I just don't know what to call. Uh, And I don't care to learn. Sorry. Um, but like once it's up, half the people are pissed at you. And once you take it yep. down, the other half is pissed at you, mm-hmm, but that's because mm-hmm. you've entered, you, you, like you logged in, you, you entered into the game, ready player one, let's go. Yep. Um, and so yep. you engaged now, now you're stuck playing by those rules. Um, yeah. and so, and there's been some pretty high profile examples of that today where like, Major League Baseball, which is having their own issues right now because of what's going on with the Dodgers, uh, inviting this group that's um, incredibly, incredibly inflammatory, incredibly derogatory towards the Catholic uh, faith and belief in particular. Um, And there's been all these issues and players are ticked and, you know, whatever. And you've got this Blue Jays pitcher who spoke out and then the team made him apologize plays in Canada. I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> and it's like, so the MLB, they switched their logo yesterday, day one of pride month. They switched mm-hmm. it back today. And there's wow. been, a, there's been a couple of those very high profile. The U S Navy, yeah. the U S Navy did a, a pride banner on, I don't know if it was their Instagram or what switched it back today. Um, so I, I'm not saying that they, well, I, I will say that I think they were wrong to put it up because again, I don't care. Like I care what an individual believes or thinks. Um, and maybe if you're talking about, um, like a nonprofit or an NGO or a political action committee or something like that, then the, the platform, like, I don't need my business to have a platform on social issues. I, I don't yeah. like, I don't want to see that crap at Publix. I want to go get a pub sub. 
I want you, I want you to run a deal on the sub I like. Mm. Um, I want my eggs to not be eighteen dollars. That's what that's what I want. Um, did you know? Um, and I don't know if you find this recently, but speaking of pub subs and rainbows, did you know Publix used to have rainbow bread? And I know I'm throwing a complete wrench in in the train of thought here, but they used to have fresh baked rainbow sourdough bread, and it was the best thing ever. Okay. Um, I like a nice fresh yeah. sourdough. Yeah, and it was rainbow colored in my like we used to get it as when I was a kid, and that was fantastic. I haven't seen it in a while, and I don't know if it has anything to do with what's happening right now. All I know is that uh, you said pub sub, and I remembered that you used to be able to get it. I don't think you used to get pubs on rainbow bread, but they used to have it, and yeah. it was great. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I think that's how you win is you just refuse to play. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to start seeing some more of that. I mean, um, again, these numbers might, might not be current as you're listening, but what I saw before we hit record today was that um, Bud Light, and I don't know if this is Anheuser-Busch or the broader InBev, but was down now $26 billion with a B in, mar- wow. in market cap. Um, Target down over $12 billion in market cap. Now, this is like you know, stock values. This isn't necessarily like money taken out of your account, but it's also not sure. inconsequential. It's also not nothing. Um, right. And, and we've seen some of the same stuff with, with Kohl's and I think people are just over it. And I said it last week, like it's not, it's not that I want to walk into target and I want to see a big display selling Christian certs. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> there there used to be these god awful um like spoof shirts that you would get at Christian like oh, bookstores. Yeah, like, the trademark of, uh yeah. they would violate all kinds of copyright oh and trademark. <laughs> like instead of the Mountain Dew logo, it'd be like do the Jew. Which is I mean, it's just problematic all over the place. It you know, it would be yeah. Jesus, but it would look like the Reese's logo. There used to be yeah. like I don't need to walk in and see that display. Um, like just sell shirts is what I like. Just when when I walk in, like have a shirt, uh, maybe it has palm trees on it or, or nothing. And then just sell that to whoever wants to buy it, regardless of their gender or their sexual orientation or their religious belief or their socioeconomic status. Just sell it to whoever wants to buy it. Let just, uh, let's just do that. And, yeah. uh, and I don't know what's particularly inflammatory about that. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I mean, to, I think the consumer now is they're very concerned about it's more than what a brand sells. It's what a brand believes and that's what they're supporting. And I think at the end of the day, if I can get pretty deep and philosophical for a minute, it's because people don't know who they are. And it's an identity thing. And like when you buy these brands, you're buying an identity essentially, which is what, you know, brands want. It's like, oh, you identify with us, right? But what's funny is the brand doesn't actually give a crap. The brand doesn't believe in a, I want to curse slightly here. I'm not gonna, but I want to. It doesn't believe in a darn thing. They believe in making money and it's a calculated marketing play on their point. They just think, that's that what they're doing is going to appeal to more people and separate more people from their money. 
So do you think these big these big moves, though, like what happened with Bud Light, what's happening with Target? I mean, were these just bad calls as far as like, hey, we're going to was it just a marketing miss or like do they genuinely believe that their consumers want these products and then they're just mistaken? Like, I don't I think I think we've hit a breaking point um, in that I talked about this some last week with John, but I, I think the um the involvement of of children in particular has really mm-hmm. pushed everybody over the he- over the edge where it's like Dylan Mulvaney this isn't um you know this isn't what what was the Patrick Swayze movie that the the guys were all in drag all the time <laughs> Patrick Swayze Wesley Snipes um oh, you know I didn't see like that one. this this isn't a man like trying to live life as a woman one he's intentionally made a spectacle of it it's not just like i just want to live this is who i really this is this is my true self this is who i really am and i just want to go about my life as a normal person no it this is very big look at me right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's very intentionally made the point of like i'm not a woman i'm a girl yeah i don't know how he knows that he's not a woman what is that, Kim? Right. I'm, so I'm not sure <laughs> what he's delineating there, but it's like that specific ploy towards adolescence, the um, the um, binding garments and stuff like that at Target that were in kids' sizes, the mm-hmm. storybook hours, um, the the materials we're seeing in classrooms and in libraries, sexually explicit material regardless of the orientation of it uh, being presented to these very young children. I think people are just over it. Um, And I think it could have been any number of companies. I think it was wrong place, wrong time for, for Bud Light uh, and Target. I think it's entirely possible Bud Light, which evidently was the top selling beer and I don't know if it's America or the world, um, mm. that brand might be done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you literally, they just can't give it away at this point. Um, it just might be done. Yeah. Um, with Target, I don't know. Um, you know, my, my joke last week was that they did what, um, what no amount of like money or marketing prowess from Walmart ever could have done, which is they drove me <laughs> back to Walmart. But the reality is it's like, yeah, what am I going to do? Go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which yeah, I, 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 I said last week I would like great value chips. Here I come. <laughs> um, you know, so yep. I don't know. They've tried to pivot away, but then internal documents leak where it's like, no, this is what we really believe in support. Right. Yeah. So it's like, guys, you don't, you don't get it. Um, I think Target has always been that way. Like, are we really surprised though? Like, I don't know, low key. I think now they're just being more blatant about it, but it's always been, it's always been that. Well, they, want, they want to have their cake and eat it too. Um, and which I mean, okay, if we're going to be, um, you know, intellectually honest here and maybe try and be fair, maybe it's like, no, we're trying to serve a, a broad and diverse customer base. Like they've got their whole, uh, you know, Magnolia home or whatever line from Chip and Joanna mm-hmm. Gaines. And so they're like, here you go, Christians, you can buy your, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your, your monochromatic yeah. farm themed home goods. 
Yeah. Um, which that's kind of been its own little buzz of a lot of, of Christians, people on the right being like, Chip, like Chip and Joanna, where are you at on this? Um, you know, and that I've seen they haven't made any comments. Who knows what contractual obligations they're under yeah. with Target too. So I'm not, I'm not somebody where I'm like, oh, Chip and Joanna clearly hate Jesus and are Satan worshipers because they now haven't pulled their products out of Target. Like you don't know, yeah. you know, there, there might, you know, there might be contractual, contractual agreements where they can't say anything. And maybe there's an argument. He said, well, Hey, take the L like pay you, you guys are doing okay. Pay out the contract and pull your stuff. So, but I'm just like, we don't know what's at play there. So interested mm-hmm. to see what, if anything we hear out of them um, at some point, I, I don't think they're taking too big a hit, but you do see, you know, to your point, you know, it, it's, the, you know, talking about people caring um, you know, kind of what these companies are actually about and what they support. You know, that's the whole idea behind a, all this DEI stuff, which that's what's biting Chick-fil-A right now is this revelation, which is actually not new. It's like two years old that Chick-fil-A has like a VP of DEI. And there's already been some concerning points of maybe some cultural creep and stuff at, at Chick-fil-A. Of course the, you know, the founder, uh, Dan Cathy passed away a few years ago. And so there's just been some, some different stuff, um, yeah. since then, you know, I, I met the Cathy's not, not Dan, but, um, they're his kids and they're awesome. <laughs> like, you know, I, his daughter in particular, we ran, I, I worked for a camp for them for first a while. And I think she really does, pr- at least her. And I don't know how involved she is with Chick-fil-A directly, but she's very, um, just super down to earth. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I would never guess you're multi-millionaire. Not that, you know, I don't know, yeah. but she's just, I remember one of my like greatest memories of, of that whole experience was like, um, I'm sitting there, I'm folding merch. I'm like a college kid at this point. It's two in the morning. We have people like parents are coming to pick up campers the next day and I'm, I have to fold all this merch and I'm just sitting on the floor folding like clothes and, and things and putting it in the little camp store. She comes, you know, and she just sits next to me, doesn't say anything. She stops, she picks up a piece of garbage, throws it away on this college campus. And she just sits and folds with me for like half an hour until it's all done. And like, she didn't need to do that, yeah. but that's like one of my memories of, of her, which was pretty cool. Well, um, at the but going back to what you said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Josh here and say, I, I, I know what, what did you say? DEA, DEI is, I'd have to I know look. what that is <laughs> but for our listeners who don't know what that is. Um, I, th- I want to say, I'd have to look it up, but I don't care to, but I think it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. Okay. Um, which is, you know, uh, James Lindsay, who's somebody who, you know, I, again, I like to call balls and strikes on him. I, I don't know if you're familiar with James Lindsay. He was part of this group along with uh, Peter Boghossian. And I can't remember the the other woman did this stuff with him, but if you heard a few years back ago about this uh, group of um, professors that submitted fake papers and studies to journals to be published. And it was things about like, um, like misogyny and rape in dog parks, like in dog culture. I mean, it was just this over the top mm-hmm. stuff. One was just like um, a paraphrasing of Mein Kampf. Um, and wow. these things got, po- they got these things published in these peer reviewed journals. Um, but James Lindsay, somebody who's really gotten into, um, kind of breaking down the the methodologies and the ideologies behind kind of what's commonly referred to as wokeness at this point. But um, 
kind of the the critical like this whole category of critical theory so you hear about it often as critical race theory which of course played a big role in the blm movement um mm-hmm. but um you know but critical theory is this whole uh, area of ideology and study uh, initially i think it, it got its start as harvard more as a legal concept but obviously it's branched well beyond all that so uh, dei kind of dovetails into all that stuff but really when you when you dig into these things and james Lindsay does a much better job than i could do here of of making the case for this and breaking these things down and providing citations um really can all all trace its way back to and has its roots in marxism um, and so it's a lot yeah. of it is really just um, a rebranding and a repackaging. Um, you know, it's it's uh, Leslie Nope and Tom Haverford trying to convince Pawnee to let them uh, put <laughs> fluoride in the water, and eventually yeah. they have to just call it Sparkle Shine or whatever to to get it to to happen. Um, and so that's you know thing things like these DEI DEI programs um, are are kind of really in, insidious, and that's why it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of troubling to see that. Um, you know, someplace like Chick-fil-A, but you see, we see this playing out um, in the marketplace on a bigger scale with ESG, which again, I, I, I'd have to look up the acronym, but ESG is this whole idea of like a, a market rating and review system for, um, you know, it, it's um, like uh, environmental, I can't remember what the S is in governance, but it's like rating these companies in these areas of, um, as our, our great governor here in Florida would refer to as these, you know, these areas of, of wokeness, but kind mm-hmm. of rating these companies in these. And it's got ties to like the, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, uh, and that type of stuff. And so it's like, oh, invest in these companies that have these high ESG scores, but not these companies that have low ESG scores. And so you just kind of see this, these, these market pressures. Um, yep. Uh, and you see some of the states trying to battle back against that, where it's like some of the state like uh, investment funds for pensions, stuff like that, um, are you know in some states, uh, particularly red states, are are being banned from ESG considerations in their investments uh, and stuff like that. And so you just it's it's a lot of levels. It's not just like what's on display in that storefront. Sure, sure, yeah. Right, and so yeah, that's where whole, it kind of gets into thing. these market pressures to make these companies, whether they actually have a belief in these things or not, try to make them make these same cultural changes. As you were talking, I was just thinking, I wonder what Disney World's ESG score is, if they have one, or what the deal is with that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a real rough time for Disney. I mean, Or if they fall, or if they even, like, care because apparently they just have their well maybe not anymore but they have their own little like i don't know country over there in kissimmee florida yeah well you know depending on how things play out with the governor and the state because they're all in a giant pissing match right now um i was gonna say i don't know if i can say pissing match on here but it's my podcast so i suppose i can um (laughs) but uh you know like disney just like from a business standpoint has not been in a great space recently. And of course, some people want to tie some of that to these same issues that we've been talking about. Some of it's just been bad business practice. I mean, uh, it was in the news here recently. They just opened that like massive in-depth, like Star Wars themed, like live in the Star Wars world hotel Mm -hmm. out there. We talked about it here on the podcast because it looked really cool, just out of reach, like $6,000 for a two night stay. But I mean, that's all inclusive (laughs) and you get to go into the parks a little bit. Uh, yeah. and I mean, I don't think it's even been open two years and they're shutting it down. So here in September, they're closing the doors on it. 
Um, Not enough people can afford the six thousand, three thousand yeah. a night. I guess they're they're, they're backtrack. They're going to trim and backtrack on some of their streaming content. Um, they're walking back some of the policies in in the parks and some of the pricing in the parks because they they really just kind of you know. Um, just kind of got carried away with themselves under that that last CEO in particular. And of course, you know, there was some weird waters to navigate through COVID and there were some things you had to do to make it work and try and stay open. Um, I think there either has been or there's going to be a bunch of layoffs. Um, I know they're having a, a, a real tough time um, with their with their movies lately, like with their with their content. I mean, they've just, uh, I, yeah. think, I think Lightyear flopped pretty hard. Um, was mm-hmm, Red one mm-hmm. of theirs? I think Red was one of theirs. I Red think, was one of theirs, yep. I don't think it did particularly well. Um, there was the yeah. Pixar, like quasi-fantasy movie that Chris Pratt was a voice in. I don't think it did well. I don't think Strange World did well. I was reading stuff today that reviews are not good for the new Pixar movie, Elementals. Um, you know what's crazy? That, like, I haven't even heard of these new movies. Yeah. I mean, I don't have kids, but, like... Generally, Pixar and Disney, they're pretty up there on the radar. And I don't know if it's because I only stream now and I don't have any, like, cable at all. Maybe it's because I'm not on Twitter. But I don't even know, like, what's out there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just name some movies so, and I'm like, huh? I mean, I Which guess... Which maybe is indicative of what's happening. I don't know. Obviously, there's been all kinds of buzz for all kinds of reasons, good and bad, around um, the Little Mermaid uh, yeah. live-action yeah. remake. But it seems like mm-hmm. it actually had a pretty decent opening day weekend. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess we'll see how that does. Uh, I mean, I know I, I think um, the, the buzz around who they cast as Ariel was stupid. I mean, who cares? Um, but, yeah. I'm with you there. Um, like if they're good, they're good. Like if, yeah. if she nails it, I'm probably not going to see the movie, but if she nailed it, she nailed it. Like it won't matter. Um, yeah. But the, um, the animation of the animals <laughs> is Sebastian. rough. And I heard somebody yeah. playing some, I think uh, Aquafina seems like voiced the uh, seagull. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. I, I have I no idea. I think that's right. It's a pretty, I didn't look it up, but it's, she's got a pretty distinct voice. She does. Um, yeah. And I That'd actually, interesting. like I actually enjoyed her portrayal in Raya, like she voiced the dra- the dragon Sisu. Yeah. Raya was a, a decent uh-huh. flick, and we've we've watched that a fair amount around here. Um, but uh, so like the seagull does a little rap. It is not good. Like it is not pleasant to listen to. This isn't just a like Kale's not a fan <laughs> of rap. It's not. It's just not good. Um, yeah. and beyond the joke, like the joke in the original animated movie is that the seagull can't sing and is kind of annoying. But this is this is bad. It's rough. Yeah. So tough. To, you know, I, I don't envy the job of trying to, to turn things around over there. At, yeah. At Disney. It's, it's tough to be my, I will say my Disney friends, cause I, I'm not, I don't identify as a Disney adult, but I have a lot of uh, adult Disney friends, you know, friends. Disney adult friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, um, a lot of them, like they've just been very quiet. They haven't been going to the parks. A lot of them have been canceling their passes for one reason or another. It's expensive. And, you know, their policies now are even if you have a pass, you have to make a reservation in advance and like all of these things. So there's really not a lot of benefits to having a pass at this point. Um, And then there's all the blackout dates and all of that. But I, I do know that that personally, that's how I'm relating to it. I'm like, yeah, Disney doesn't seem to be doing well because all my Disney adult friends are not going as often. Yeah. 
So, so I mean, Disney that. still, you know, I, I grew up around the parks. Um, same for you. It's not without mm-hmm. its charms. Like there is something to Disney magic, particularly when you're a kid. Um, yeah. But the prices at the parks and the crowds, like I read an article the other day breaking down um, like why families tend to prefer and enjoy Legoland so much more. And it broke down like the capacity numbers and the pricing and like how much easier it is to get on rides and no, the rides aren't as advanced or sophisticated, but the kids don't know the difference and they love them. I'm um, just like, yeah, let's go. To, <laughs> let's go to Legoland. Let's go to let's go to Kennedy Space Center. Let's, yep. you know, forget Blackfish. We'll go to SeaWorld. Whatever. Even though those crowds are <laughs> those crowds are too big for me too. So yeah, it's a little. And plus, it's getting it's get. I mean, Florida summer is coming and it's getting hot and stormy and yeah. fantastic. I saw somebody. There's always great memes about Florida weather. I think every area, every region has its its weather jokes. Um, but. Uh, you know, so I saw somebody post like to all you new Floridians um, understand that we're still currently like Florida's still just preheating. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like you think this is one hundred percent? Yeah, nope. Yeah, yeah, and and then of course you get all the the whenever we had a hurricane, to all you new Floridians, um, you know whatever the hurricane joke would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, it's interesting. Boy, well, listen, enough of the the hot topic divisive issues. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about something everybody can get behind, which is you recently did this massive, like, I don't know what three month long trip or whatever it was <laughs> to New Zealand. You went to middle. Earth. I sure did. I went to middle earth. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. Um, middle earth was really a great way to describe it because it really didn't feel like I was on like it felt like another planet, to be honest, Kale. It was incredible. And I was only there for two and a half weeks. Oh, is that all? That's all. So, Which anybody that like the New Zealanders that we would talk to, they would ask how long we were there is me and a couple of friends. And we would tell them, we're like, oh, two and a half weeks. And they're like, that's it. Like all of them without fail. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, we're American. We have to work. Yeah, that's what I say. They're probably used <laughs> to know? getting visited by the French or something. Ugh. Yeah. No, like, um, I, they actually a lot of Canadians go because you know they're all you, I don't know connected Canadian, to England, French so. same difference. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But um, yeah, no, and they all get what three months off every year for vacation just because that's policy. So yeah, they'll just go for months at a time. Which if I could take that much time off of work, one hundred percent I would because there's so much. I mean, the islands are small, but there's so much to do there. Yeah. So well, yeah, it's great. They have arguably the best um accents in the world yes (laughs) yeah no they're pretty great it's it's hard to pin down what it is that they you know yeah because it's it's like it's not australian it's not british it's very unique yeah um yeah their slang is great floats in there like between of course there's so many different accents on that tiny little island uh you know over england britain whatever however many countries are in that country uh hat tap to uh, ted lasso there for that joke but um like british australian south african like it's just it's kind of in there around all those but it's just its own thing and it's hard to approximate like it's i feel like it's tough to to do if it's not Netflix, yeah, I was gonna try, but I'm not Jeannie Toronto. I can't, I can't, uh, can't do it. <laughs> how did you? Uh, how did you end up over there? 
it was kind of a fluke. I, I mean, you know, you know me, I'm a nerd. Um, and so I can, it's like nerd Mecca, right? Eventually we all have to make a pilgrimage and pay homage to, at least for me, I was like, it's going to happen eventually, whether I'm old and gray and dying, or it's my make a wish. I don't know. It's going to happen, but I wasn't thinking about it at all. And then a friend of mine, um, she just calls me up one day and it was, she had no intention of inviting me on this trip. She was just kind of venting. She was like, man, I'm going to New Zealand for my birthday. I spent, you know, literally years planning this trip and I was going with them, some friends and they just bailed on me. And now it's me. And then some, you know, someone else. So I'm like, so what I hear you saying is, is you need someone to go with you to New Zealand. Um, okay. Like she didn't even offer. I was like, I'll go. <laughs> and then, yeah. A few months later, I found myself on this on this trip. And the best part about that, Kale, is that she planned the entire thing. Um, I literally just had to show up and pay, obviously, at the yeah. end of it all. Um, but, you know, in that she considered my nerdiness. She's very adventurous. She's the kind that likes to hike and bungee jump and, like, do all of that, which is plenty of that over there. Um, but, of course, there is Hobbiton and uh, Weta Workshop, which is where all of the Lord of the Rings uh props were made and swords and everything was made. So she included all of that in our little tour too. So I just got to taste everything and it was just, oh, it was so good. So correct me if I'm wrong. Like as soon as you land over there, don't they like just bug bomb the whole plane before they let you get off? Like, don't you get fumigated <laughs> essentially? No, but um, you do have to, they do like have dogs smelling, you know, your stuff. Um, and they're not really looking for drugs, although, of course, that's part of it. They're looking for, like, foreign material. Um, one thing that we read before going there was you can't have dirty shoes. So I spent the whole, like, the night before just scrubbing my shoes, the soles of my shoes, making sure there's no rocks, no seeds, no anything, because their ecosystem is just very, it's delicate, and they don't want any foreign species there. Um and so they keep it very pristine and they do that and they they check, you know, you're not allowed to bring any food in. So I, the queen of snacks, had to travel with no snacks. And that was a weird experience because the travel there was pretty long. Um, I think overall it was almost 19 hours, the whole trip from here to there um, with, a, you know, a stop in between. But um, yeah, they're they're very particular and they're they're very strict about getting in. Although when we went, I, I did land there and I was expecting to be interrogated because that's what they tell you, right? They're going to interrogate you for environmental stuff. Um, our interrogation was very mild. It was very chill. And I think the people of New Zealand, by comparison to America or any other country that I've been to, are so chill. Yeah. If I could... Uh, date myself and say they're hella chill um because even i get to like the gate I'm, like the customs agent she's just like so you know our policy about shoes if i were to look at your shoes right now would they be dirty I'm like um and i could honestly answer i said no and then she's like okay you're good to go <laughs> like that was my interrogation right um i know other people who went who have gone there that was not their experience but i think it was early in the morning ours was the first plane in so she didn't care she was like whatever just go so yeah and then uh that was my experience my first experience in, in middle earth it was great so inquiring minds want to know like hobbiton so yep. for, for the non-nerds for the uninitiated um you know when we say middle earth we're referencing tolkien's lord of the rings 
series of books. It's its whole universe. He developed several languages just to write the series. He was a linguist mm-hmm. by trade. Um, so not unlike, uh, you know, on the other side of the nerd coin, you can actually learn, um, you know, Klingon, Elvish. you can learn Elvish and, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so, uh, Peter Jackson, who made the original trilogy of movies, which should never be remade or messed with, um, as Amazon is attempting to do now ish kind of, um, he is from New Zealand. Is he, what, what do we call them? He's a new, he's a New Zealander. Kiwis. He's a Kiwi. Kiwis. All right. He's a Kiwi. Uh, and so, and New Zealand just really is this idyllic landscape. And so he based a lot of the movie and the filming there. And, you know, like you said, his, his uh, production company and special effects company, Weta is, is based there. Uh, and so, you know, in, in the books and in, in this universe, the hobbits are kind of there. I want to say they're like, uh, you know, I, I can't say Indians, right? I'm supposed to say what native, native Americans, First Nations, whatever. I mean, they're just very like salt of the earth, one with nature, like they're living with the land, not working against mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And they really so like the way he portrayed, which I feel like was very true to the description from from the text was really just they're kind of built into the land and everything's these very natural shapes and looks. And it's just like. Like it's always been there. Like it was just supposed right. to be there. Um, yeah. But it wasn't just a movie set. Like it's still there in New Zealand where the Hobbits it is. Um, right. So they, they actually built the original set. I'm going to just be a super nerd for a minute. They built the original set for the original Lord of the Rings series um, somewhere else. And then they rebuilt the set for the Hobbit series. So they actually like ten, they took a lot of the original pieces and just moved them. And it's actually legit on this guy's farm. Like he has this incredible farmland of rolling hills and he has so much acreage that Peter Jackson just kind of, uh, they were surveying the land, right? They had a helicopter. They were just going around the island, the North Island, and they saw this patch of land and they're like, we want to have Hobbiton there. So uh, they found the owner of the land. They asked him, and Peter Jackson was very good friends with the, I don't know if, if it's prime minister or governor or whoever, whoever's in charge of New Zealand. They were buds. And so long story short, um, they decided to put it on this dude's farm. They're filming, doing all this stuff. Um, and they, in the while they're filming, you know, they've got the scene with, um, you know, the fireworks and the parties and like all kinds of stuff happening. Well, the local New Zealand people are coming and they're watching, they're seeing everything, you know, they're, they're being nosy. And so the guy who owns it ended up just asking Peter Jackson, if he could keep it on the land and open it as like an attraction. And they were like, yeah, sure. Why not? So they do. And their tour guides are, it's so fantastic. Half of the people giving tours, you can tell they're American. They're basically like, if I wanted to just leave my my life and go be a hobbit and tour guide i could 100 percent do that yeah. um so they're just they're spitting all these fun facts and they're telling us all about you know what happened but that's why hobbiton is there and um our our tour they they set it up pretty well it's not like disney where there's thousands of people flocking they space out the tours you know and they they have them so if you never feel super crowded or overwhelmed it's just um, and we went on the day and it was a little bit like drizzly and rainy. So it was kind of, I enjoyed the weather, but it just felt super perfect when we went. And, um, yeah, so that that's there. Um, whoever owns it is making a lot of money because As just, well they should. you know, yeah, 
Yeah. Now, is it uh, um, so many questions? Um, <laughs> I'm like, there's like actual like natural beauty and things to talk about about New Zealand. I'm like, no, no, let's talk about this movie set. The Shire. So how is it? Is it big enough? Um, that like you can kind of lose yourself in it. Is it is it big enough that like you can look around and you feel like you're in the Shire, you're there? Well, it's built to size, like for a real Hobbit. So everything's small, <laughs> like the doors and everything yeah. are, are are very small. So when you know Gandalf the Grey, who's supposed to be just the size of a normal human, is walking around and everything's tiny, like that's real. Um, so you don't, and I will say it's. It's not like Disney World, right? Yeah. It's not like you can get lost. There's a definite path and a trail. And if you get lost, you can find yourself. You can, you can find it. Um, they have like the famous bridge. Um, I don't know if it's called Brandywine Bridge or or something. And it goes into like the Green Dragon, which is the the famous like pub that they all meet at, you know. Um, and included in your tour is a drink at the at the Green Dragon. So you get you get that whole experience. So is the, um, but, so the Green Dragon is human sized. Yes. So I was going to say, if you could sit in Mm -hmm. there and get like a shepherd's pie and a pint, you know, not unlike going to like the three broomsticks, you know, Mm -hmm. out at, out at universal, I'm like, they just printing money. 100%. Well, it's the drink is included, but of course they have shepherd's pie and they have all kinds of stuff. Um, I don't think you can get a pint. The, The issue that we had though was because again, it's toured and it's timed and because like, you know, Hey, we only have X amount of time before the next tour comes. So you can't just, sit and chill because your bus is going to leave you behind. It's just so, funny because um, like all the nerds listening, like when I said <laughs> pint, you heard Mary and Pippin in your head, all of you, just like I did, just like Alex did. <laughs> what is that? It's called a pint. I, I mean, I can't do the accent. I can't do it justice. <laughs> it comes in pints. Um, so just if you don't get the reference, watch the movies, watch the, I mean, do it right. Watch the extended versions. Um, you know, anything else is in affront to God, but, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, you, you hit on my next question was going to be like, is it built Hobbit sized or is it built yeah. human sized so that you can, but it's so, but they actually shot there, right? They did. And uh, I'll say they, they shot the indoor, the outdoor scenes okay, because that was it's be really my just a facade. Yeah. It's just a facade. Okay. Most of them. Now the one that is not a facade that you can actually go into, it's just a dirt floor, dirt walls. Like it's really built into the side of a hill. Um, and you can take pictures in it and that's Bilbo's house. And it's got the little like sign in the front. No, that's a lie. It was, it's the one with the red door. I don't, that's not Bilbo's house, but you can pass through Bilbo's house. There's a little sign that says, you know, no admittance except on party business, the whole thing. Right. Um, and then there's one that they have that you can actually go into and that one's bigger. So you can go in and like take photos and stuff. Um, but the line to take photos is just ridiculous. Um, and then they have, the cool thing is like, they tell you all the things that are like, okay, that's part of the land that was brought in for the movie. So they've got all the little, like, you can see like the the laundry lines where the hobbits are like, you know, hanging their laundry or whatever, and it's all there. And something that, you know, Peter Jackson was so dedicated to the details of the film that he had actually, he had people walking up and down to the laundry lines so that like in the movie, it would look like there was a worn path to the, like, you know, the right. lines and stuff. Even though I'm like, who's going to see that? No one's going to see that. Um, he had uh, fake fruit. Um, you know, attached to the real trees there because in the book, it's a certain kind of fruit 
and that tree didn't match. So he had all, you know, he basically created a plum tree where there was no plum tree for 0.08 seconds of the film. For those people who, if they'll pause it, they'll see, you know, there are plums instead of whatever fruit it was. Um, he talks about the tree on top, you know, that the big famous tree that's on fire in that one, like, iconic scene. Um, they, obviously the fire was CGI, but, um, you know, they had to wrap they put leaves. The leaves are there are not real. And they're like, I don't know how many thousands of leaves just put there. Um, and actually, you know, they they joke and they say, you know, pretty much everybody in New Zealand was involved with the filming of The Lord of the Rings. But that's true. Like, not every person, obviously, but um, the army was in charge of helping clear the land and build the roads that the set used. Like, the army of New Zealand helped with that. Um, during some of the scenes where there was like, there were fire fire being used. The you know New Zealand Fire Brigade had to be there, so they dressed them as orcs. They had orc costume made costumes made for the fire brigade, and they're part of the movie. So like everyone was involved, um, and yeah, it's just it was so fun. My nerdy heart was just on cloud nine. <laughs> Gosh, no, that, that so besides that and Weta, is that kind? Yeah. Of, is there anything else still movie related around that you can visit, or is that pretty much it? Uh, well, for the true nerds, and I, I do have this on my bucket list, like I fully intend to go back and do the tour of where they filmed a lot of the other scenes. You know, there's there's the scene where where Rohan is and there's scene of like th these mountains and like just you can find it online anywhere. It's like this is where this was filmed. Um, my group, they were awesome, but they weren't about that life. They weren't hardcore like I was. It's disappointing. So, uh, yeah. So I was like, well, I'll just I'll just have to go back and and see. Um, I did do one really cool thing. There's a lot of really cool things that I did, but one thing that we did was a it's called an an underground, it was a cave tour basically. Uh we went blackwater rafting, which is when you find you go and you go whitewater rafting, but in a cave and you're just in an inner tube in the dark. And they have uh glow worms. So you go and you basically hike deep into this cave in a wetsuit with an inner tube. Um, you can't touch the cave, but you can just like, you have to like sneak around, right? Um, they You find this river, underground river, and you get into it. It's like a lazy river. You know, you hook up with the rest of the people and you create this like chain and then you go. Um, and then on the top of the cave, there's glowworms, which are essentially just like for lack of better terms, they're like silkworms and they glow to attract their prey. So it just looks like stars underneath the cave, right? Um, I'm getting to the nerdy part. So, you know, that was like really cool, really awesome. If you're not claustrophobic, highly recommend that you do it because it's just really cool. But at the end, you know, it spits you out um, in this actual river. And so we're just, you know, going down the river. Um, and I swear, I don't think it was, but it looked exactly like the river where um, in the movies, Arwen and Frodo, you know, Frodo's dying because he was stabbed by the Morgul blade. And Arwen, the elf princess, is like taking him through and then she whispers to the water and the water comes and like smites all the bad guys or whatever. Like it looked exactly like that. So I'm over here having the time of my life. And if I knew Elvish, I would have 100 yeah. percent just you know done that but um yeah that was that was a really cool experience I one think of many now um hobbiton people if you're if you're listening i think the one miss here i think where they could really elevate it have you ever been to like plymouth plantation up in uh, like massachusetts 
I so it's, not. it's like this complete recreation of the Plymouth settlement. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, they have, they have people there in character and they're actually people that they know lived and settled in, in Plymouth. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like, they're thatching roofs and they're like planting and harvesting. And I mean, they're like living the life and they're in character and you can, oh, you can walk through Plymouth plantation and you can interact with them in <laughs> character. Like they know these people and their history well enough. Um, cause of course, like William Bradford, who was the, the governor of, of Plymouth plantation uh, is often referred to as like the father of American history because he kept like these very detailed, uh, records and diaries. And so we know a lot about these people. We know a lot about the plantation. There's other sources and stuff too, but so it, it's just cool. Cause it's one of those moments that can transport you, right? Like you can be there in that time. And yeah. then if you could just walk through there and it was just, just hobbits, just living oh, life man. and you could interact. Oh, Oh, that would be yeah yeah that'd be what's up <laughs> now you might have that to you might have to else. charge like you might have to go disney style and charge like three thousand dollars a person uh, whatever take my to, money to pay all those people <laughs> but but yeah i'm in yeah and i mean i will say like it was kept very pristine they had gardeners there they had there were some uh you know the some of the the places even though it's literally dirt like they had chimneys, the chimneys were smoking and they would like, you know, they had like incense. So they did make it very, you know, interactive. They have the field where Bilbo's birthday party was. Um, and they have great stories, um, about like, you know, how they had X amount of actors, even though it was supposed to be exactly a hundred, they had fewer cause they couldn't fit them all. And they actually served real alcohol to the actors, even though it was like diluted, like to 1% but they let them have as much as they want. So a lot of the crazy, you know, the scenes where you see people and they look very tipsy, like those are real for the most part. Um, and then uh, one of the actors, I want to say it was Billy Boyd. He is afraid of fire. So the reaction he had when he was playing with the fireworks is like, it's real and like all that stuff. So if you get a good tour guide who knows, who knows his stuff, you can learn some pretty cool yeah. stuff when you're, when you're there. I've, but I've... yeah, real hobbits would have been, would have been, icing on the cake. I, I've always loved, and again, I, I apologize to any of you who, who haven't watched the movies, where have you been, or, or you're just not into this, but uh, I've always loved the line from Bilbo's birthday speech, uh, which I have not committed to heart, but I've pulled up for your <laughs> listening enjoyment right now. So like in the books, the movies, uh, this character Bilbo, he's turning 111 years old, which is a pretty big deal for a Hobbit. So he's given, it's his birthday. Everybody's there. He's giving a little speech and he says, alas, 111 years is far too short a time to live among such excellent and admirable hobbits. Here's the part I love. I don't know half of you. Let's see. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like. And I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. (laughs) And it's like, you don't know if you're being complimented or insulted there. And it's fantastic. I've always loved that line. And they'll just stop and look at each other. Like, I don't, we're smiling, but we don't know what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's a great scene. But yeah, the, the field is there. You can, you know, um, the party stuff is still set up. You can see like the little streamers and stuff. And um, it was really cool. I was, I was super happy. And then literally that same day, we went um, that afternoon, you know, uh, basically this trip was we had two and a half weeks to explore two islands. And though they were small, uh, we were at a different 
Airbnb every night, different city every every day, just moving moving along. You know, we got the Reader's Digest version of of New Zealand, which was still fantastic. But um, I don't know if you're familiar. A lot of people aren't with uh, Zorb, Zorbing, Z O R B. Yes, I am. Yeah, are I mean, you really? Well, listen, I'm super hip, and I know a lot of things. <laughs> so, but well, it's it's the, the it's the big yeah. blow up balls you write in, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was invented in New Zealand. A lot of people don't know that. That sounds about so right. So we went to the original place where it was invented. And yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's basically a giant plastic ball inside of another plastic ball. And um, you go inside the plastic ball and they push you down a giant hill, um, which sounds like it would make you sick, uh, except they you can they they put water inside of it. So you're not you know, going head over heels, basically, you're just, you're coasting, right? You're, yeah. It's just a giant slide and you're bumping around. Um, so it was Hobbiton in the morning, lunch, sorbing in the afternoon. And it was just probably the best day ever. <laughs> what was the food like while you were over there? I'm I'm guessing roughly, you know, like Western European type fare. It was very British uh, fish and chips. Yeah. Fish and chips was just the standard fare everywhere, you know, burgers. Um, but yeah, I don't say there was no really like authentic island food. Like if you would go to Hawaii, you'd have like masubi or something, which isn't even authentic, but that's like a very Hawaiian food. Like we'd ask like, okay, what's a very New Zealand food? They'd be like, oh, fish and chips, <laughs> you know, oh, okay. their fish and chips was bomb though. Yeah. Like I can't have it. I can't have it anymore. Not that I was a big fish and chips person to begin with, but. We had it literally on the side of the road. Our Airbnb host on the first night was like, if you want the best fish and chips of your life, go find this convenience store on the side of the road. So we did. And yeah, it did not disappoint. It was really good. It ruined fish and chips in me with uh, for me for forever. Yeah, that's, <laughs> basically. Always, that's always the best. I, I think it was actually you on the podcast where I, I shared my uh, late in life discovery of Mofongo at just a, a little dive in, in Puerto yeah. Rico. That's mm-hmm. always where the best food's at. Like you might get mugged or you might have the best food ever. That's where you want to be. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Anything about the country really just blow you away? Just knock your socks off? Um, I mean, the views, it is on the, the you know, Southern hemisphere. So the seasons were opposite. We were going, uh, we were starting, well, we're starting spring in the States. They're heading into fall. So as we're heading down South, just, um, the colors are changing. We're getting like reds and oranges. And I'm like, man, this puts new England to shame. So it's just like, imagine middle earth, but like in the fall, like I can't, um, I, I felt like I was in a storybook. We would just, we would be driving and turn the corner and then just another view. Like, even if you just go to drive, just drive New Zealand, you know? Um, I, I will say the uh, the dollar goes further there, so that's nice. The New Zealand dollar currency is in our favor. Prices were pretty fair throughout. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't wait to go back. I don't know when that will be, but it was it was good good time. Yeah, that's uh, that, and you know, it always gets lumped in fairly or unfairly with Australia, but both of those are pretty bucket list trips. Yeah. You know, uh, Australia, not so much for me anymore. Though really? their wildlife is insane. Like the size of the spiders there, have you seen? Like it looks like it's not real. It looks like CGI, but they're not. Like I can't. Yeah. 
I've also know. I've also heard from reliable sources that the the dingoes eat babies, and that's concerning. <laughs> A little bit. So you've, you've um, got that. There's the spiders, the dingoes, the frogs, just everything. Um, whereas in New Zealand, there wasn't much of that. Like I felt safe everywhere. I was like, nothing's going to eat me out here. I don't think. Yeah. Um, the most problematic thing was the sand flies, which are akin to our mosquitoes. Um, the thing about sand flies though, is they bite you and you can't tell until two days later. Cause that's when the bite shows up. Right. So that was, that was always interesting. Um, but honestly, that was the worst thing about it, which is saying a lot. New Beautiful Zealand country. is actually half home to uh, one of the world's most exciting uh, private uh, rocket companies right now. Rocket Lab is actually basically co-based in uh, the United States and New Zealand. So one of the, actually two of their launch pad, uh, pads are uh, in New Zealand. Fun fact. So yeah, they I had, did not know. They had to do some uh, unique uh, negotiating with... Um, I guess like uh, some native tribal lands to be able to launch from where they needed to be able to launch from. Um, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty interesting story. I want uh, Peter Beck is the the CEO of that company. Not unlike all these kind of rocket company CEOs, pretty pretty intelligent, interesting, compelling guy. And uh, he's done some interviews with wait for it, Tim Dodd from Everyday Astronaut. But uh, it's hey. really uh, if you're intrigued by New Zealand at all and or space travel both, it's a nice little crossover to see how it came about with them. Uh, kind of, yeah. they, they do really uh, neat stuff with their their manufacturing and their engines, and uh, they're doing like carbon fiber composite rocket bodies, which is real, real different. And uh, it's it's interesting stuff. So they're they're launching now. They have a pad uh, in the U.S. now as well. They've got manufacturing capability here, uh, and they've got a pad out of Wallops in Virginia that they can launch from here now. But prior to that, they were they were launching out of New Zealand. So. Fish and chips and kiwi birds (laughs) and hobbits and rockets. I mean, I don't know what more you could want. What else? I mean, hiking trails and um, bungee jumping also originated in New Zealand. So we went to the original place, first ever location where anybody ever bungee jumped. We went to the original bridge. Uh, I did not because it's not my thing. But my friends did. They had a great time. They said it was fantastic. Yeah, bungee jumping is one of those things where it just seems like the uh, risk-reward ratio is out of whack. A little bit, yeah, a little bit, but um, yeah, they had a great time. I could say, well, I saw where bungee jumping originated, so there's that. Um, if and I don't know if uh, I don't know if New Zealand, if the location of that launch pad is anywhere close to. There's a city there that we went to, and it's it's known for its stargazing, like that's what it's famous for. So their light pollution and their, you know, it's super low. Can't you know have your lights on past a certain time and that's their rule there. So I don't know if that has anything to do with if stargazing or that's, that's just what they're famous for though. I think it's yeah. Lake Lake Tikapo is what it's called. Okay. So I don't know if you know the, the title I or the city where that is. No but... earthly idea whatsoever. <laughs> Did you get to see any Kiwis? The no, birds, they're not, the super birds, rare. The, obviously you saw the people. I saw but... thousands of, of people Kiwis, but no, I didn't <laughs> Did you see my stupid Instagram story post. Probably. I don't know. I don't know if you saw it. I, in one of our hostels, I took a kiwi because it was not ready to eat at all. I traveled with it for three days waiting for it to ripen. It never ripened. So I took a picture of it outside and I said, look, guys, I found a kiwi. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm I, remembering this okay. post now. I believe I commented, um, and this is a direct quote here, boo. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You did see it. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of people, though, who were like, 
they were amazed. They didn't, they didn't get the joke. Yeah. Um, I did. And I'm going on the podcast and I'm saying it. My friends don't believe me, but I did see one. Uh, while we were going to that cave that I told you earlier, they put us on this, like, we had to go on a bus to a train to the caves. Uh, on the bus, I'm sitting against the window and I see a kiwi running into the forest. And my friend, he says he saw it, but he's like, I can't be sure that that was a kiwi. They don't believe me because, again, super rare. I did see, um, without it was a tiny kangaroo, a wallaby. Okay. And uh, it hopped in front of our car. We almost killed it. And we Americans are just like, oh, my God, it's a wallaby. Are we, You know, it's a tiny kangaroo. We're freaking out. And then uh, the next day we see a giant sign. It says, like, see a wallaby? Report it because they are uh, invasive. So you yeah. should have. We're all like, oh, thank God you didn't hit it. You <laughs> would have been doing them a favor. You should have exactly. mowed that wallaby down. We should have. For but, the you know, environment. Americans, we didn't know. Your, your we, ESG score just went down. Just went down. I know yeah, I shouldn't have said you should, anything. You should like, hit how the dare wall you? Yeah, but Pete is happy with me. Yeah. Um, I will say, let's. Oh, uh, this is a really funny story. Apparently, somebody from, uh, I want to say Canada, had moved over to New Zealand a few a few years ago, several years ago, and he introduced uh, some moose so that he could hunt. Um, and so there are moose sightings, but it's like a legend, like. To them, they it's almost like seeing a unicorn or seeing Bigfoot. Most of the people don't believe that the moose exists, like at all. They don't think that moose are a real animal because it's become like a legend, like, oh, have you seen a moose or whatever? Um, so if you see a moose in New Zealand, that's like you've seen Bigfoot yeah. or you've right. seen a unicorn and yeah. it's, it's fun. Yeah, picture, picture short didn't happen, people. So keep, exactly. your, keep your cameras at the ready. Yeah. Well, always lovely to have you share your yeah. world travels with us. They're never without excitement. And this time you came home without starting a global pandemic. And so I'd like to thank you for that. You're welcome. I'll, I'll try to keep keep that the case in so the future. one and one right now. We're, we're one and one. With your yeah. global travels. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. ESG score is down, but uh, your pandemic score is, it's, it's up now. You were one and it's oh. It's up. Yeah. And of the two of them, I think that's the better one. So, yeah. Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, given, given a choice between Wuhan and New Zealand, I believe most of us would choose to visit New Zealand. Maybe not everybody. Uh, but I think I hear they have great markets in Wuhan. So they sure do. Yeah. Great. Well, that's, you know, relative. (laughs) Well, always a pleasure to have you here with us as a guest, a guest host in whatever capacity you're willing to grace us with your presence. As always, we're just not going to get to everything. Uh, Of course. Just the way it is. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do a little Twitter space. Yeah. Maybe there's that. Maybe sometime after this episode drops next week, uh, we'll do a little Twitter space. Alex can hop on with us with her newly renovated Twitter account. Yeah. And we can talk about her losing uh, more work to AI or how Lizzo is threatening <laughs> all of us uh, with ending her music career and all the things we had on our list and just couldn't get to today. Yep. Next time. Next so, time. But if you want to hear it, you, I mean, Instagram's it's not going to get it done. You got to you gotta join us over on, on Twitter. You got to give us the old follow. So, yeah. And probably the easiest way to find 
uh, our, our Twitter account is just to visit the website, solid7podcast.com, solid7podcast.com. Not only can you find our link to Twitter and Instagram if that's what you're into, but links to our latest episodes like the one you've just listened to right now and all of our affiliates, GoRuck and Jocko Fuel and Origin and Tuttle Twins, uh, Bulletproof Bands, all these great ways to uh, support yourself with some quality products and support the podcast at the same time. Links to Patreon, good causes like the Give Team, of course. Uh, Brad Mace from the Give Team was, was with us. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast, and they're actually kicking off this month their Stacking Bricks Challenge. So be sure to click and check that out and support them. You spend 15 bucks, you do their Give Team 15 once a day for 15 days starting on June 15th. There's a lot of 15s there, and uh, they'll send a patch your way, and it's a great way to support the Give Team. So all that stuff right there um, on the website. And if you would, whatever app you're listening to us on right now, if you would just take a second, click subscribe or follow if you haven't already. Give us a little thumbs up, five-star rating, a review. We read each and every one of those, and it helps the evil, evil, evil algorithms tell people that they should be listening to us um, like you have. And uh, with that, Alex, always appreciate you. Listeners, we love you. Thank you for tuning in, sticking with us. Got a great episode coming for you next week, so be sure to uh, tune back in. And until the next time, we're out. The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.